Welcome to Laces Out, an NFL podcast that goes over everything football. Here to talk all things football is your host Suhaib. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of this show. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Laces Out, the official podcast of the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sohaib, and in today's episode, I will be recapping what was rather an exciting week of football. I just have a few key talking points I wanted to go over this week, along with previewing the upcoming Thursday night football matchup between the Bills and the Patriots. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, let's get right into it. Let's start off with recapping the Week 12 Slater games. I want to start off by saying... And, you know, talking about this key talking boy right here, the Bengals and, you know, their level of play the past few weeks. The way the thing that I took out, took away from that game, me personally, is that the the Bengals are officially back. They just beat, regardless of what you think, they just beat a really good Tennessee Titans team in Tennessee. And the fact that makes it even more impressive is how they limited a guy like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, as we all know, he's the main focal point of that offense. You stop him, you stop the Tennessee offense. That's well known. But the way that the Cincinnati Bengals did it was just, you know, unheard of in, in previous seasons, let alone this season. They held them to just 38 yards on 17 carries, and they forced a fumble. You know, when was the last time you've seen Derrick Henry fumble the ball and lose the ball on a fumble? And, you know, I don't know what it is, but it just looks like the Bengals have Derrick Henry's number. If you guys remember last year in the divisional matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans, the Cincinnati Bengals kept Henry to just 62 yards on 20 carries in last year's divisional matchup. You can argue, you know, he was coming off a, a coming off a really serious injury. However, he still had 20 carries, and to only limit him to 62 yards the entire game in a playoff game, and then to follow it up with the performance they had this past week, to only limiting him to 38 yards on 17 carries. If it happens once, it's luck. But if it happens more than once, then they know how to stop him, and it seems like the Cincinnati Bengals have Derrick Henry's number. But regardless, nonetheless, like Cincinnati's defense deserves credit for what they did against the Tennessee Titans, specifically against Derrick Henry. And then just looking at the Cincinnati Bengals as a whole, you know, we all know the slow start they had to the season. Many were saying it was a Super Bowl hangover. You know, they lost Super Bowl. That's the farthest they're ever going to get. However, you know, Cincinnati just shut out that noise. I think they got over the, the, the hangover. And now they're just getting hot at just the right time, you know. They're getting key players back. The thing just the thing about this Bengals team this year is that and the thing that I really respect about this team this year is, you know, as you all know, I'm a Steelers fan. However, I just you gotta give credit where credit's due. The thing about the Cincinnati Bengals is that they can beat teams in more way than one. And I feel like that really sets them up for long longer term sustained more sustained success than last year. And the reason being, they have the weapons to go toe to toe with the high powered offenses. They have the weapons to go in and shoot out with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs, the likes of the Buffalo Bills, because those are those are teams you're going to have to beat to make it out of the AFC this season. It's not like last year where you can beat the, the number one seed was the Tennessee Titans, and then you just had to win one game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, it's not like that this year. There's teams like the Miami Dolphins. There's teams like, <clears throat> excuse me. There's teams like the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you're going to go up against the Tennessee Titans, a team that has a really good defense. But that's going to be for my next point. But the Cincinnati Bengals have the weapons to go up against the high-powered offenses in the AFC. And then if, you know, you want to go, you know, play them in a nice, physical, low-scoring battle, they can do that too. They have the defense. 
They have the run game. And, you know, for example, this past week is a prime example of how the Bengals can beat a team more than one. The past two weeks, let's put it that way. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense struggled a bit, gave up 30 points, yet the Cincinnati Bengals matched that and put up 37 points. And then you follow up the next week, going up against a really good Tennessee defense. You know it's going to be a low-scoring, physical affair. And they matched up relatively well. They were missing guys like Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. However, they had guys that came in. They had guys that slotted in to their, to their respective spots. And they, they had the defense to match up with a team like the Tennessee Titans. So that's like my next point. They had the defense in the run game to win a low-scoring physical matchup. And as I said in previous episodes, this is a sign of a good team. For me personally, I feel like this is the type of team you want to have to, in order to have success in January and February. Because the way the playoffs is in the NFL, it's really unpredictable. And you don't know what you're going to go up against. Some games are going to be high-scoring, 45-42 type of games. And then there are going to be a ton of games where there's going to be, you know, both offenses really struggling. Defenses are going to be, you know, performing relatively well. And, you know, good teams have either a good offense or a good defense. Great teams have both good offense and good defense. And I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals are starting to prove that. And another, key, another like, interesting point about this is they're also getting healthy, you know. They're getting guys like DJ Reader back. They got him back the past, I think, before the Pittsburgh. So, like, two weeks ago, they got DJ Reader back. And long, you know, you add in the fact that they're getting Jamar Chase back relatively soon. He's expected to come back this week. And now you're getting a guy like Joe Mixon back who missed the past week. But now you add Joe Mixon to the mix. You add Jamar Chase to the mix. You add DJ Reader to that defense that's that's been playing like a top 10, arguably top 5 defense. This Cincinnati team is the real deal. And I'd be really scared if I'm going up against these team if I'm going up against Cincinnati Bengals come January because they're getting hot at the right time, and they're not a team you want to go up against because, as I said, they have the ability to beat you in a high scoring, you know, high scoring game, or you know, you want to have a low scoring physical matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals can win win those type of games as well, and those are the type of teams you want to avoid come playoff time. And then finally, with the way the Baltimore Ravens have been playing. It wouldn't be all that surprising to see the Bengals win the AFC North. Now, you may think like, okay, you know, Buff- Baltimore has been dominating. You know, the, when they versed each other, Baltimore won. And Baltimore has the easiest strength. Of, you know, they have the easiest strength of schedule moving forward. Now, part of that may be true. However, we've seen how the Baltimore Ravens are struggling. You know, and that's not the recipe for winning the division and for making a long run in the playoffs. Because there's something going on in Baltimore. I don't know what it is. They got to figure it out, but looking at looking at both teams' schedule, let's start off with Baltimore Ravens at home against Denver, heads to Pittsburgh, away to Cleveland, at home against Atlanta, at home against Pittsburgh, and then the final week is going to be a trip to Cincinnati. And then you look at Cincinnati's schedule, and you think, you know, they're they're welcoming the Chiefs to Cincinnati this this upcoming week. They play the they welcome in the Cleveland Browns. They head to Tampa Bay. They head to New England. They welcome in the Buffalo Bills, and then they welcome in Baltimore. So you may think, you know, Baltimore has the easier strength of schedule. However, I'm more concerned about Baltimore Ravens and the way this team, this team is just, you know, the way they're playing. But I'll, I'll talk, I'll elaborate that more later on in the episode. But for the Cincinnati Bengals, yes, they have a tougher schedule. However, with the way they've been playing, this is going to be a great test for the Cincinnati Bengals team. I think they will pass, you know, this test. I think they will win. Um, you know, at least three or four of these games. I am I am really like intrigued to see how Jamar Chase 
does in his return. Is the injury going to be a nagging injury and going to be like affecting him in his play? But I'm really interested to see the stretch run between the but and this this AFC North divisional race between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals because one team is starting to you know get hot at the right time and the other team is really struggling at the moment. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And then you know that's 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 that on the Cincinnati Bengals. And I was speaking of the Ravens. You know let's 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 talk a bit more about the Baltimore Ravens. They blow yet another lead. It raises a question: Is it time to be concerned about this Ravens team? Now they're seven and four. You may think, you know, Baltimore Ravens have a good team. They have a great quarterback. You know, the issue early on in the season was the defense, and now the defense is playing good. What's going on with the Baltimore Ravens? What I can tell you from what I've been watching is this offense is really struggling. And I'm not saying driving down the field. Between the twenty yard lines, they have been really good. However, once they get into the red zone, and this is something they've been struggling throughout the entire season, let not, and it's just really became a more glamoring need towards the, this part of the season. But it's their red zone offense. I've noticed that, you know, in previous games, whether it was against the New Orleans Saints, whether it was against the Carolina Panthers, and, you know, they, they were able to win those games. But it finally caught up to them against a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars that Baltimore Ravens kept getting into the red zone, and they just couldn't punch it in. They just couldn't punch it in. It's really no other way to put it because, you know, they had a relatively easy, easy time getting into the red zone. They get to the red zone. They kick field goals. That's just not going to win you games it's like, you know, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, let alone the high powered offenses that I spoke about earlier, such as the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. But the defense is doing its thing. You know, I got to give credit where credit's due with the Roquan Smith edition has been fantastic for them. They're firing on all cylinders on the defensive side of the ball, and that's frankly why they're seven and four right now. However, it's just there's something up with the Baltimore Ravens offense. It's not that they're struggling to drive down the field; it's just they're struggling once they get to the red zone, and that's gonna that's the difference between a good team and a great team because kicking three points it's 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 logic. It's it's logical math. It's easy math. This is something you know in elementary, in elementary school, maybe before that. But seven is more than three. And the Baltimore Ravens aren't getting seven points when they get into the red zone. They're only getting three points, and that's not going to win you games, especially in the stretch run when every point matters, every drive matters. So for that reason, I think it is time to be concerned because putting up three points isn't going to make you beat Kansas City. Putting up three points isn't going to make you beat Buffalo, as we've seen when they played head-to-head early on in the season. And I would say, I would say this at the very least. It's not at the point where I should be concerned that they're not going to win anything, right? Because it's an easy fix. You have a guy like Lamar Jackson. Just go back to basics, run the ball. That's easily fixable. The defense is doing its thing. It's just, as of now, based off their play the past few weeks, I'd be really concerned if I were a Baltimore Ravens fan because that's something that's really going to hurt them when they go up against the juggernauts of the AFC. But that's that on the Baltimore Ravens. Let's move on to my next key talking point, and let's head to New York and talk about that situation there. Mike White. As we all know, he replaced Zach Wilson as a starter, and he went in and absolutely balled out. Is Mike White the, the guy in New York? I think as of now, yes. And and this, let's talk about the play, his performance. In his first start of the season, he went 22 for 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns, and a key stay here, zero interceptions. Something that Zach Wilson has been struggling with, and I spoke about in great detail in previous episodes. That was that's something that was really hurt in this Jets offense and this Jets team as a whole. But looking at looking at this Jets offense, when I was watching Mike White and his performance, this offense just looked more fluid and in rhythm with him at QB compared to Zach Wilson. I don't know what it was, 
but it just seemed like this offense was more in sync. The offense was more, you know, fluid, if you get what I'm trying to say. But I just noticed that about the offense. That Mike White made the right reads throughout the game, was accurate with his passes, and just his overall management of the game and his ability to manage the game well and not putting his defense in tough situations. I feel like that was what was needed for this Jets team, considering how good this Jets defense has been. Mike White has, doesn't have to be Mahomes. Mike White doesn't have to be Josh Allen. He just has to be a solid game manager that doesn't turn the ball over, that gets points when need be, that drives the ball, that's able to drive the ball down the field and just does not make mistakes. Something that, unfortunately, Zach Wilson was struggling with throughout the start of the season. But that's something that re- that really stood out to me the most was how easy how how he managed the game and how much in like how this offense looked rhythm wise and how fluid it looked throughout the entire game. And you know you could say sure you know it's the Bears you know they're they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. However, Mike White looked great as I've been saying, and he has to be the starting quarterback for the Jets moving forward, regardless of opponent. Throwing 300 yards in the NFL for his, and three touchdowns, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and zero picks, and only throwing six incompletions. That's that's tough to do against any NFL team, regardless of who you're going up against. So I think Mike White showed that he can be the starter moving forward, and I think he has to be the starting moving forward. You can't just bench him after a performance like that. I think you got to move forward with Mike White. Just as long as he continues to play this way, the Jets have a really good shot at making the playoffs. They're currently seven and four. They're sitting in the playoff spot right now. And as long as Mike White doesn't, you know, just doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't put his defenses in tough situations, then this could be a really solid pairing. And this, the Jets could arguably find at least their starting QB for the rest of the season and then figure that, figure that situation out moving into the offseason. But before moving on, you know, quick little fun stat. Mike White had a 149.3 passer rating in week 12, which was the highest amongst all QBs. Kind of, you know, backing up my... My take that, or no, like, you know, proving proving true that Mike White was performing at a really high level and that he deserves to be starting moving forward. But speaking of, you know, speaking of first time QB, uh, QBs playing for the first time this season, Jordan Love. Now, he had a quick cameo. This wasn't similar to Mike White. He, was, he didn't start the game. He was thrusted into the role early on fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers left with an injury. And, you know, the Packers down 14. Jordan Love came in, and you're thinking, you know, the Packers are just, you know, waving the white flag. For Jordan Love came in, he looked relatively solid. He made some really nice, accurate throws. You know, he his throws looked like they had some really good zip on it. And he looked, and just from a personal standpoint, I think he looked 10, 10 times better than how he looked against Kansas City in his last start. Um, kind of shows the development he's he's gone through. But, like, stuff that I noticed, he's looked more comfortable. His throwing mechanics, his throwing mechanics are a bit better. You know, he's making the right reads, something that he, he really struggled with in his first start of the season. And that's all you can wish for, for a Green Bay fan. However, it's not, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing anytime soon. Rodgers was saying he plans to play this upcoming week. I think that's not the right thing to do. You're not 100% healthy. You know, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, do I make a team decision here and try to see what you have in Jordan Love? I don't know. It's kind of a you know, messed up situation given the fact that Aaron Rodgers is due, I think, $59 million in guaranteed money next season. So you can't really, you know, unless he retires, you can't really bench Aaron Rodgers. He's your guy until he says no. And it's really interesting because you can say that the Green Bay Packers could be like Aaron Rodgers, you're resting. 
it's not that easy. A guy like Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. He is a guy that would not, you know, take a lightly. He would not take a lightly. And with all like the situations he's had with the and problems he's had with the Green Bay Packers in previous years, this would really be a really bad look for the Green Bay Packers, considering you know like they benched their premier guy. But you know, I'm not saying they bench him, but that's just a completely different situation. As for his cameo, he came in, looked really good. You know, he almost let it come back. His defense did sell, you know, did sell on him. He, their defense sold on us getting a Jordan Love two-minute drill. But you know, that, I I digress. But speaking of Jordan Love, you know, my overall takeaway to kind of summarize everything, came in. It was still a high-stakes situation. They were still in the game, regardless of what you say. Came in, letting nice touchdown drive. Christian Watson on the, you know, speaking of, you know, he's just scoring touchdowns for fun at this point. But you know, he let a touchdown drive. He let another drive where. He got he got a field goal, brought it and brought it within you know a touchdown, and then the Green Bay he got a few field goals actually, and then the Green Bay Packers defense couldn't get a stop. But based uh, if I'm grading Jordan Love's performance, I'd give it a solid day. You know to be put in that situation against that type of defense, he looked relatively good, and I'd be fairly confident if he's the if he's going to be the quarterback of the future for the Green Bay Packers. Moving on to my next key talking point. I wanted to speak about the Russell Wilson situation. So <clears throat> the question I'm going to answer here is, is it too soon to call the Russell Wilson experiment a failure? So going back to earlier this week, there are reports that, you know, a few of his teammates have turned on him. And if you can watch the game, it's looked really bad. I think um, it was Mike Purcell. He was kind of, or I think it was Mike Purcell, but he was yelling towards Russell Wilson. He, there's a clip and just telling him to tighten, to tighten it up and, and whatnot. And it's really look, it's really a bad situation. And then there's a rapport about, you know, half the team showing up to a birthday party, which, you know, I think that's kind of taken out of proportion. The NFL has a really big roster. You know, if 40 people showed up to a birthday party. That's not, that's not a bad number. But it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a terrible situation going on in Denver because you're paying this guy a ton of money. And he just hasn't looked like the same player he once was in Seattle. And it's a really, a really hard situation to read into because there's so much, there's so much to take in to this particular situation. Let me put it, let's just put it into context of how bad he's been. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Russell Wilson. Carson Wentz has more passing touchdowns than Russell Wilson so far this season. Oh, and you know, <laughs> Wentz hasn't. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, Wentz hasn't played since week six. For a guy like Carson Wentz, who isn't even a, you know, a great QB. To, for him to have more touchdown passing touchdowns than Russell Wilson this season, and he's and he has been playing since week six, it kind of says a lot about how Russell Wilson has struggled this season. And now you could say, you know, Nathaniel Heck is just a bad head coach, yada yada yada. However, it goes hand in hand. Bad head coach, you know, at the very least, there there are many situations where a QB looked, you know, still looks good. Russell Wilson doesn't look good. He just hasn't been accurate all season. He has just missed open guys completely. There just have been so many instances where he's missed open receivers, whether it was just over or under throwing them or just not seeing them when they're open. I feel like prime example of that was, you know, early on in the season, going up against the Colts, KJ Hamler wide open for the game winning touchdown in overtime. He just completely missed them and threw it into a, a you know, he, he made a bad read and threw it into a covered guy. And it's just, he's been making that mistake over and over again this season. And it's not something you expect out of a veteran QB. That's something you expect out of a rookie QB. But that's just not something you expect out of a guy with the caliber of Russell Wilson. So that's just really interesting. As for the future, you know, 
Is it, you know, can you call this experiment a failure? I say not yet. And the reason being, it's kind of, you know, the Broncos are stuck with him one way or another. So regardless if I, if I, if like, you know, you admit that it's a failed experiment, you're stuck with him. You gave him a contract extension. You invested significant assets towards him. So you're stuck with him regardless. I'm the reason why I'm saying I'm not going to call this experiment a failure yet is the head coach. I'm going to go back to that because what I would say is fire Nathaniel Hackett, hire a competent head coach and see how Russ does under uh, Russ does under a competent head coach. If he does bad next season under a really good head coach or, you know, the head coach you hire, then you just pull the plug and go in a different direction. If you're Denver, I think that's the route that they're ha- that they're, they have to take and that, that they should take. Because you don't really want to, you know, pull the plug on Russell Wilson one year. And, you know, maybe the head coach, yes, because Nathaniel Hackett doesn't have a proven track record. Whereas Russell Wilson has a proven track record. He is a Super Bowl winning QB, whether you want to, you know, whether you like it or not. He still has a proven track record. I want to see Russell Wilson under a really good head coach or under a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett. Then I will, then I'm going to judge this, you know, trade as a whole. Because as of now, it's not looking good for the Denver Broncos. However, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They have, you know, fixed it, moving into next year. But that's my thought on the Russell Wilson situation. My final key takeaway before I move on to the Thursday Night Football preview is the Monday Night Football matchup between the Steelers and the Colts. And I'm not going to talk about that matchup. It wasn't a fun matchup. However, I wanted to talk about Kenny Pickett's play. You know, he's been under real scrutiny this past couple weeks, you know, whether it wasn't getting wins, whether it was, you know, him not being the guy for Pittsburgh. However, slowly but surely, Kenny Pickett is looking better and better each week. And he looks like the franchise QB for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This past game, he went 20 for 28, 174 yards, and, you know, his first game-winning touchdown drive. Looking at his performance, you know, he made some really nice throws, and he really led this offense. And this is something, like, you know, as a fan and as, like, you know, an NFL podcaster, I noticed, like, this man has, this offense with Trubisky compared to Pickett has looked relatively different. And I feel like he really led this offense relatively well against a really good Colts defense. This Colts team is bad. However, they have a really good defense. Guys like DeForest Buckner, guys like Stephon Gilmore. They have a strong defense, and Kenny Pickett made some really nice throws, made some really nice reads, and it was against a tough Colts defense in a hostile environment. So you got to give credit where credit's due. He's looked really good. And, you know, speaking more of Kenny Pickett, he had elite accuracy throughout, albeit for one or two throws the entire game. He had, yes, I know he missed, you know, Pickens on that red zone play, but he's it's fine. He's a young QB. Those are those are issues that can be easily fixed because he ended up following that with an absolute dot to George Pickens, and in the red zone because for the two point conversion. And then you know he threw a dime to Deontay Johnson, but that was dropped. However, he the thing that I liked about it, he made a bad throw. He didn't let that affect his play the rest of the the rest of the way out. And then he he made throws like those, like the the Pickens and Deontay Johnson one that I just referenced. And if you're looking at this from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. From a Pittsburgh Steelers perspective, you're not pro- you're we're not making playoffs this year. <laughs> I'm speaking of a fan uh, as a fan, we're not making playoffs this year. However, the biggest thing you you want to focus on this season is Kenny Pickett's play and how he's been playing. And based off the pre the past couple of weeks, I'd be really you know really optimistic about the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers because Kenny Pickett is more is looking like the guy more and more each and every week. He's getting praise from really like top level guys like Kurt Warner, like Joe Thomas, like those are. Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers saying that Kenny Pickett has looked really good and that, you know, he's, he really has what it takes to be a franchise QB in the league. So I'd be really, you know, convinced. I'd be really optimistic for the future. And, you know, just 
to kind of, you know, put Kenny Pickett's performances into perspective, he has thrown over 100 passes and has zero interceptions in the past three games. Early on in his career, you know, he's been, he was struggling with interceptions and turnovers. And that is something that many people thought, you know, he'd have to improve. And that's something that's, and he, he has improved the past couple of weeks. You know, against some relatively solid defenses, the New Orleans Saints, the Cincinnati Bengals, and now the Indianapolis Colts, for him to throw over 100 passes, it's not like he hasn't been thrown much. He's thrown over 100 passes. He has zero interceptions. That is a key stat right there. That shows sign of maturity. That shows, you know, under, he's understanding the game a bit more. The game has slowed down a bit for him. Now he's just got to, you know, work on consistency, work on being more, you know, consistent with his accuracy. And I think he's going to be a really good player. And, you know, finally, now I know PFF doesn't really mean much, but he had an 88.5 PFF grade, which was the second highest amongst QBs this past week. Just wanted to put that out there. And it's best by a rookie QB this year and best by a Steelers QB since week 10 of 2018. It's just <laughs> that that I just considered that last that just for like, you know, Steelers fans. That's it. That's crazy, man, because it's been that that that's like Big Ben's last good season. And for this to be a, the highest graded, you know, PFF rating, that kind of says a lot about Kenny Pickett's performance. And then finally, just just imagine him without Matt Canada as his OC, and I think and I feel like that's that's really exciting for a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because Matt Canada should be gone. I'm not going to go over that. I'm not going to get into a tangent with that, but I feel like that's really what's holding back Kenny Pickett from really breaking out, breaking through into a great QB. But you know, he's Matt Canada is going to be there the rest of the season. It's going to be really interesting to see if the Pittsburgh Steelers stick with Canada because I think they got to get rid of him regardless. They get rid of him. Give you know Kenny Pickett a solid OC, and I feel like Kenny Pickett can be a really good QB in the in this league for years to come. That is it from my Week Twelve recap slash talking points. But before we move on to our next segment, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this episode, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can make any five dollar NFL bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. Take a look at this though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Whether you want to make a same game parlay for the game between the Bills and Patriots this Thursday or bet on any other game this week, DraftKings makes it easier for you all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. That is code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's get into the Thursday night football matchup between the Bills and the Patriots. Let's preview that one real quick. All right, let's let's start off with this. Both teams are coming off Thanksgiving Day games. You know, however, they both had completely different outcomes. Ironically enough, both were playing against NFC North teams. The Buffalo Bills, as we all know, last second last second field goal against. The Detroit Lions and the Minnesota and the New England Patriots lost a heartbreaker to the Minnesota Vikings, a game in which I th- I believe they should have won. But, you know, I digress. They're, you know, on one side, the Patriots will look to keep their playoff hopes alive. You know, they're six and five right now, and they're on they're on the edge. They're on the outside looking in right now. And I feel like they need to have this win uh, to to keep their playoff hopes alive, as I said. And I think I they just need to do that along with, you know, continuing their impressive play on offense this week. We seen last week something clicked with this Patriots offense. I don't know what it was, but Mac Jones looked really good. The receivers were getting open. The tight ends like Hunter Henry was, you know, turned out to be the player that the Patriots signed and gave big money for. But that that offense needs to show up against the Buffalo Bills. If they ma- if they can manage to continue getting big chunk plays, 
then I feel like they have a fair shot at beating Buffalo. As for Buffalo, this is a tough matchup for them. It's at Foxborough against a stingy Pats defense. We all know how Allen has been struggling in the red zone, especially with turnovers too, but the past few weeks. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he cleans that up this week because it's going to be a really interesting matchup. The Buffalo Bills, you know, offense against the New England Patriots defense in previous years, we've seen that matchup, you know, slightly tilt towards the New England Patriots. Last season was kind of, you know, kind of a... It was it was a bit different, you know. Josh Allen was on something during those during those matchups, but there's that. It's going to be really interesting because Josh Allen, as I said, has been struggling with turnovers, and that's something the Patriots off the Patriots defense really thrives on. So, can Josh Allen play a clean game? Can he play a turnover free turnover free turnover free game? Wow, I can't even talk. But as I was saying, Josh Allen needs to play a clean game in order for the Buffalo Bills to have a chance because this is going to be a rowdy environment. It's a AFC East matchup, and the Patriots need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. So it's going to be a really a really interesting game. And for me, that, the X factors for this game from the Bills' side is their offensive line. And the reason why I say that is can they keep the likes of Matthew Judon and Joshua Uche out of the backfield and give Allen a clean pocket? Because as I said, you know, Allen's struggling with turnovers and – Something that can lead to more turnovers is pressure on the quarterback. And Matthew Judon, who leads the league in sacks, he can easily disrupt the game. So it's going to be really key for this Buffalo Bills offensive line to keep Josh Allen clean and to, you know, kind of lessen the pressure on him in order for him to play a turnover-free game. And then on the New England Patriots point of view, I am going to say Mac Jones. Will he be able to carry over his impressive performance last week and build build, build on it, basically, against a great Bills defense? As I said, Mac Jones looked really good against a really, you know, a relatively solid Minnesota Vikings defense. So can he continue that against a better defense? Against, you know, when the stakes are higher, can he continue that impressive level of play? Because if he can continue that, they're going to win games more likely than not. They should have won the last game. That was just, you know, special teams, you know, really, really blew that game for the Patriots. And that's not going to happen week in and week out. If this offense can continue this performance, I feel like they would be really dark horses in the playoff. But, you know, they need to get there first. So I think Mac Jones needs to, if he continues that, the impressive play he had last week and, to, and carries it over to this week, then the New England Patriots have a fair shot of winning. And that leads me to my predictions. I am going to go with an upset pick here. I think the New England Patriots win this game. It's at Foxborough. I am really, you know, really worried about Josh Allen's performances. You know, he's starting to get a bit better the past few weeks. However, this is at Foxborough. You know, the Patriots need a win, and it's just Bill Belichick, man. He finds ways to win these games. So give me the New England Patriots and an upset victory over the Buffalo Bills to keep their playoff hopes alive. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this Week 12 recap, recap episode brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Be sure to tune into our episode next week, next week when I will be recapping everything that happened in Week 12 for the rest of the matchups. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Laces Out NFL Pod on Twitter and at Laces Out NFL on Instagram. Finally, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are available on, on all the major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. Thanks again for your support. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay safe, stay well, and enjoy the rest of your week.